0: Have you ever had the question posed to you, maybe from your child, the child might say, Mommy, Daddy, what's heaven like? It's a good question. And I don't know that uh, maybe that might catch us off, but how do you describe heaven to a child? Probably a lot like the way God tries to describe heaven to us, I, I would uh, assume, But I can remember having concerns as a child about heaven. My concern was, what if you fall off one of those clouds? You know, that's what I was thinking. That's where I was as a child. And so if that's my development in my thinking, and I come to my parents and ask, what's heaven like? How do you answer in a way that makes sense to a boy that is still that, you know, shallow or undeveloped in his thinking? I remember the answer that my parents gave me that helped me and satisfied me until I learned a lot uh, more about heaven. But the answer that I got was, um, you know, heaven is going to be a place where God will meet all your needs. And I asked about toys while well, I get to take my toys. And um, I, I remember the response that I received was, if it takes toys to make you happy... There will be toys in heaven. And uh, the point is, heaven is a place of joy. It is a place of happiness. It is a place of contentment. And God will see to it that we experience that. Now, the hard part about heaven is that we want to talk about it, but we have never experienced it. and, And we don't know anybody that has experienced it. Even the Apostle Paul was once in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he was taken up and he didn't know if he was in the body or if it was an out-of-body experience. It was all fuzzy to him. He didn't know. But he said, I was taken up into the third heaven. Uh, he was taken up into heaven proper, so to speak. And he was told and shown things there that were unlawful for him to share. I find it interesting that oftentimes people come back and they have these stories and they tell their stories about what they saw and everything and when we know of a, a divine account uh, an inspired account of a person who actually went there, he comes back and he says i 'm not allowed to tell what I saw is unlawful to speak but what what is what what do we know about heaven i I, I want us to talk about that this morning because I think heaven can be a, a great motive. We need to think about heaven maybe more than we do. And maybe it's one of those uh, life stations that causes us, you know, when you're young, maybe you don't think about it as much. When we get a little older, maybe we think about it a good bit more because we're closer to it. But I believe that thinking about heaven will help us in this life and also certainly prepare us for that next life so let 's let 's talk about heaven this morning and see if we can answer some questions that maybe we have about it i don 't have as many answers that that I have questions, and that 's not because i don 't know uh, i haven 't studied enough it 's because god hasn 't chosen to reveal himself in, in that degree. My curiosity is much greater than what God choose to reveal to me about heaven. I do know that what I know about it is sufficient. And it will help me to, to know everything I need to know that will help me to be the kind of person that I ought to be and give me the proper motivation to be the kind of person I ought to be. But here's the problem. With just about any topic... Wherever God speaks and reveals himself on any issue, there are people that always want to go just a little bit further. There are people that always want to speculate and, and give their opinion or address something that wasn't specifically addressed, but they think that they can make an inference and say, well, because of this, then this. And that gets us into all sorts of speculative thinking that is outside the realm of Scripture. Scripture. I have a book in my my library written by a man who just recently sold a a lot of books. And it's entitled Heaven. And it's like that thick. And um, the Bible doesn't say that much about heaven. But this man did. And much of what he has to say is purely Speculative. There's no scripture. He can't turn to a passage in the Bible to say, this is what the Bible says about this. It's just his summations of what he thinks will be the case. I don't think you want that from me today. I don't think you want me just to stand here and tell you what I think. But let's go and look at what the Bible says. I think this has been a topic that has been relevant since the death of Abel. When Adam and Eve find their son, and I don't know how all that played out, uh, uh, but when they realize that Abel was not waking up, maybe they understood about death, or at least to the extent that they had seen animals and so forth that, that died, but this is the first human death. And I wonder if they didn't ask God, "What? What? where's our son now? Is he gone Does he still live elsewhere? Uh, Probably, you know, uh, you know, we, again, that's speculation, but we, we can guess, well, God answered their questions or he didn't answer their questions. I do know this much. Whether he specifically answered Adam and Eve, I, I don't know, but I do know that he answered us. And at this point in time, he's given us answers to those questions. Job asked a question a long time ago, if a man dies, shall he live again? God has answered in the affirmative. And so let's look at, and again, pay close attention to that we talk about things that are known, that the Bible has revealed, and not simply um, speculation and opinions. First of all, let me say there are a lot of things about heaven that are just absolutely misconceptions. There are a lot of ideas out there that float around in the religious world and, and the way people have adopted them is because somebody said it and, and they said it with authority and they wrote a book on it and, well, you know, if you wrote a book on it, he must know. And, and people just accept certain things as true that certainly are not true. I, I read just this past week a, a man say that heaven would be boring. He said this, I think heaven will be boring because there will be no sinners there. Everything will just be flat. You know, the absence of sinners, that doesn't equate to boring to me. Does that to you? Do you know how much pain is brought into the lives of humans because of sin? The source of all pain is ultimately because of sin. To say that heaven will be boring because there are no sinners there, I think is very short-sighted and doesn't understand or or at least shows an ignorance of an appreciation for what true beauty and happiness and joy is and and what it comes from. Um, Even Mark Twain once said, You go to heaven for the climate." You go to hell for the company. Uh, it, it reminds me of what when we when we went to Israel a few years ago. The, the, our tour guide said, "People go to Jerusalem to pray, and people go to Tel Aviv to play." You see, there was the there, there's the religious place, and then there's the fun place, and, and that's what Mark Twain's saying. You know, if you want to go to that that climate place, you know that place, that nice place. You go to heaven, but if you want to go for the company where all the fun people are, then then you want to go to hell. Not the case at all. Revelation 21 and verse 4, if you have your Bible, you can look at what God said about heaven. This doesn't sound boring to me. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Uh, that doesn't sound boring to me. Heaven is going to be a place of bliss. All the things that bring you to tear, the break, tears, that break your heart, they're going to be absent from this place. That's not boring. I've heard people say that most, if not all, people are going to end up in heaven. Have you met people like that? Uh, everybody's going to heaven. God's not going to send anybody to hell. And if everybody doesn't go, I mean, there may be a few people like Hitler, you know, he's not going to make it or or somebody else like that. But uh, everybody else is going to heaven. Well, no, that's not what the Bible says. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7 and look at verses 13 and 14. And in that passage, Jesus says, you know, there are two ways there are two roads that we can choose in life. One is a is a, a narrow road and it's straight or or constricted. It's it's very narrow, hard to travel. There's another road that is a broad way. <clears throat> it's wide. And he said that broad way leads to damnation. That narrow way leads to life. And he said many will travel that broad way, but a few will travel. That narrow way that leads to heaven. I think if you did a survey in town and said, what do you you think? Will more people go to heaven than hell? I think most people would say, yeah, yeah. Just the other day I heard a guy say, I've generally been a good person. If I were to die, I've generally... Heaven doesn't come to those who are generally good people. That's not how you get to go to heaven. There are a lot of generally good people in heaven. In fact, I'd say the majority of people in this world are generally good people. But that's not the basis upon which we gain access to heaven. It's our relationship to Jesus Christ. I, I think that also some people have the idea or the notion that our bodies, um, <clears throat> they're going to be just like, we're, we're going to know each other because we're going to have our bodies and everything. And, and that's not the realm of heaven either. Now, there will be bodies, but there will be spiritual bodies, incorruptible bodies. The body that we have now, it's corruptible. You can break it, you can cut it, you can bleed, you can die. And you can can grow old and, and stop working. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you read verses 50 through 53, the Bible says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. But it says... What is going to happen is that those of us who are alive when Jesus comes back and we're still in this fleshly body, he said we're going to be changed like that. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to put off this corruptible body and take on an incorruptible body and be with the Lord. So we're, we're not going to be the same people that we are today. He describes that earlier in the chapter in First Corinthians 15. He says you, you can take a just take like a seed, take a, a, a seed and you plant it in the ground. That that seed looks nothing like what comes up. What comes up has a stalk and leaves and a fruit on it or something, and, and is nothing like that little thing that you stuck in the ground. And he said, so shall it be in the resurrection. What we sow in the ground, and that's our physical bodies. Is nothing like what comes forth. John once asked the question, you know, what, what will it be like? What, what will we be like? And he said, I don't know, but we'll be like him. And we need to be content with that. Sometimes people have the misconception about heaven that says when you die, you directly go there. That's not the case either. Luke chapter 16 tells us of two men who died, the rich man and Lazarus. And when they died, they went to a realm called Hades. It's the realm of the unseen. It's the realm of the dead, disembodied spirits. There's a part of Hades where good people reside and they're being comforted, and there's a part of it where the wicked are, are being tormented and And you can't cross from one to the other. Read Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. It describes that place. And all those who have died from the time of Abel till now await the resurrection in this realm. The Bible tells us in Acts 17, a lot of people say, well, when you die, I thought you were just judged and you were sent to heaven or hell. But listen to what Jesus or what... It said, Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, he says that there is a day that the Lord has appointed in which he will judge the dead. Um, It's not judgment days. There's not a judgment day when I die and a judgment day when you die and a judgment day when he dies. It's, It's a day in which he will judge all men. That day hasn't yet come. But when it does come, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, it says that Jesus, when he comes back, he's going to bring all those with him who have already died. And they're going to come with him. And those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. The judgment day comes at the end, not as we die. And so, when Jesus died... Do you remember what he said? As he was resurrected, he's been gone for three days. And he tells Martha or Mary, let, let go of me. I haven't yet ascended to my father. Well, the father's in heaven, but Jesus said, I haven't been there yet. Well, where was he? he? Wasn't in the grave. Body without the spirit is dead. His body was dead. The spirit wasn't there. Where was Jesus? He hadn't yet ascended to the father. He wasn't in the grave. He was in Hades, that realm that holds those disembodied spirits until the day of judgment. So those are some misconceptions. Let, let me tell you what the Bible does say, though, about heaven. Number one, it says that heaven is a motivator. Turning your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to see something that I think is significant. And one of the reasons why we need to think maybe more about heaven than we do in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10, it talks about how that Abraham dwelt in a land, a foreign country, dwelling in tents. He, he um, offered his son great acts of faith. But here's why, verse 10, for he waited for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was empowered to do the difficult because he wanted to go to heaven. It empowered him to do what otherwise men might say, "No, no I'm not cut out for that." Because he wanted to go to heaven, he did it. Look a little bit further in the chapter uh, at about verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And and they plainly declare that they seek a homeland. Truly, if they had called to mind the country, verse 15, from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be their God. These Old Testament faithful, they they had every reason in the world to quit. Say, this is too hard. Go back to living their own life and not worrying about what God wants them to do. But they wouldn't do it because they desired a heavenly country. Folks, thinking about heaven will help us to get there. It will lessen the, the tug of temptation. We'll be more inclined to do what is right and to choose wisely than to choose foolishly and to sin. Heaven, uh, the Humanist Manifesto, there's a line in that a number of years ago that says, um, promises of immortal salvation and the fear of eternal damnation are both illusory and harmful. They distract people from present concerns. That is exactly the opposite. Promising heaven and warning people of hell for disobedience does not distract people from present concerns. It's not an illusion and it's not harmful. What it does is it causes us to realize, I better be busy. I better behave. It's a restraint from sin and a motivation to righteous living. It does the exact opposite that they claim that it does. Heaven is a motivator. Heaven is a place of reward. If you turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, look at what he says in uh, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. The reward doesn't come here. The, the notion that if I serve God, man, life's going to get easier. I, I need to be a Christian because i got some bad stuff going on right now. And I need to give my life to Jesus and that'll get rid of all that bad stuff. No, it won't. Maybe, maybe not. The reward is promised and reserved for you in heaven. And I can't quite comprehend the, the beauty of, of this place. I know that when John sees this revelation in in the book of Revelation, that he tries and and God gives him words that we can appreciate. What what if you went back, what if you tried to explain an airplane to a Native American living 300 years ago? You know, how, how are you going to explain flying in an airplane to an Indian in the 1700s? I don't know. You might start off with something about like a giant bird, big enough, you know, to to ride on its back or something. You know, you might try to give some allegory, some metaphor to, to help them to comprehend. You know, if you start talking about, uh, you know, aluminum and, and all these, kind of, they're not going to understand that. Turbines and, uh, th- th- but you, you get what you can understand and appreciate. And I think that's what... How do we understand and appreciate heaven, this spiritual realm to which we have never been and never seen? God says, well, I know what you do know. And so let me, let me put it in terms of what you can appreciate. The walls of this city are made of jasper. And the gate of the city is not made of pearls, but made of a giant pearl. One single pearl. That's what the gate is made of. And the streets, they're, they're made of gold. H- how do we value gold? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, as, of all things, I, I can see God saying, um, you know, your, your bank account will be filled with gold. Or your, your house will be made of gold. That thing that men die for that has such value in this life. It's nothing but pavement in heaven. Do you get that imagery? You don't pave the street with precious stones. They're just rocks and gravel and you take whatever. It's just to be walked on. But heaven is so grand that the greatest thing that we know, the, most, the thing of most value, gold, Hey, that's just pavement up there. That means nothing. It's that good. That's the imagery that the Lord is trying to give us. It's a place of reward. It'll be a place that will blow you away beyond your imagination. I want to go there. Heaven is a place of reunion. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23 David's son has died. He's been praying and fasting for the health of his son, who was just born. And he gets word that the boy has died. And they were reluctant to tell him. They didn't know. He he was so distraught. Nobody wanted to go in and say, hey, uh, your son has died. But eventually he asked, and they say, well, he died. And David gives them a reaction that they weren't prepared for. He gets up and he washes his face and he goes and gets something to eat, and he goes to the house of the Lord to worship and they say, "Wait what, what is this? I mean while he was alive you were you were down, you were fasting, you were praying you were you were grieving and, and now that we tell you he's dead you you you're going about your daily thing and he said, "Well, I can't bring my son back to me, but I can go to where he is heaven." is a place of reunion. Um, I don't quite understand, you know, all things about this reunion. I, I know that there are certain relationships that do not exist anymore in heaven. There's no marriage. No one's being married in heaven. But I don't doubt that we still know and and who we are and, you know... To rob us of that really robs us of the reward. I, I've heard people say this. I, I don't know how we can know each other and have reunion in heaven, because what if what if someone you're looking for you can't find them? How can you be happy in heaven knowing that somebody you loved on earth didn't make it there? That that would seem to rob you of your joy. My response to that is simply, well, Matthew twenty what Jesus said to the Sadducees in Matthew chapter twenty-two and verse twenty-nine. He said, you do err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. Do you not think that if God wants to make us happy, we can be happy? The God who created us from nothing and then created dust and made man from dust, do you not think that he can make us happy? And even among our own Selves within our own experiences, can you not find joy? Listen, does anybody know of anybody that you loved at one time and they, you know they died and they died outside of Christ? Do you, do you know of anybody like that? Since you know of that happening, has there ever been a time when you've experienced joy? Even though you know that happened to somebody that you know and love? Well, yeah. Well, listen, if you can experience joy now... Why can't God extend that? Why can't an all-powerful God see to it that you you feel that way all the time? That's, that's not a problem. Heaven is a place of reunion. There will be recognition. David looked forward to being with his son. And there's Abraham. Uh, it, there was recognition in that Hadean realm between Abraham and the Lazarus and the rich man. And I'll also say... You know, years ago, and I, I think I've shared this with you before, but years ago, uh, children maybe understand it even better. Uh, when Kelly was just little, and and we would have nightly prayers, and, and uh, she would pray for her mansion in heaven that God was building, and she would pray that it would be pink. And, you know, she had a color picked out for it and and pray for various things. She said she wanted it to be big enough so that uh, grandma and granddad and Grammy and Papa and her cousins and her brothers and sisters, you know, everybody, you know, lives there. Everybody, mom and dad, everybody. Um, I, I joked since, I've never really thought that, living in the same house with my in-laws was heaven, but it it was from her perspective, you know, we're all going to be together forever. Um, She had it right. In her childlike way, she had it right. Heaven's going to be a place of reunion. And, you know, I have thought many times, and again, I know that relationships are different, and I know that we're not physical like we are here today, but the imagery of, you know, my dad passed away last year, September. I had a sister that passed away, an older sister of mine that passed away when she was nine years old. I've not appreciated what my parents must have gone through as they, as I was being raised. Having children, I, I can understand and realize how difficult that loss must have been to them. But when that dad died last year... I can't tell you how many times that I have sat and thought and, you know, just tried to wonder what, what things are like. I see, at least in, um, my mind's eye, a little girl reaching up and taking hold of her dad's hand. I know she's not a little girl, and I know that there aren't physical hands like we have today, but that, that concept of reunion, is something that motivates. There are people that have crossed my paths in life that I don't want to be done. You know, I want it to go on. I want to have more. And uh, when I was a paper boy, as a boy, there was an elderly lady on that paper route that um, she was a member of the church, lived by herself, I'd deliver her paper, and we would visit I'd just go in because I knew she was lonely and I'd just talk to her and did that for years, just every day, just a couple minutes with her. When the time came where she had to move to her daughter's house in California and, uh, you know, that last day I delivered her paper and she, uh, when I left, I said goodbye to her. She said, no, 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 you're not, you're not going to tell me goodbye. Um, she said, uh, we're Christians. And so this isn't a goodbye. This is uh, so long or I'll see you later. So you take that back and you can share one of those other partings with me. And so I did. I said, I think I'll see you later. The next time I saw her was at her funeral. They brought her body back to Chester where she was buried. But, you know, there are people in our lives that we have loved and known and We're separated from them for a little while. But because of heaven, it's not forever. You know, it's just a matter of time. And so, you know, those who say heaven, it distracts people. It causes us to miss the things in life that are of true value. They couldn't be more wrong. Heaven gives me focus. It, 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 it focuses and harnesses my attention and my efforts in life. I want to go to heaven more than anything in this world because of who God is and because of what He's done for us. I'd like to know more about heaven. Um, but like I said, my curiosity is greater than what God chose to reveal. But what He did reveal is enough. It, it's sufficient And if you're here this morning and you're not ready to go to heaven, or if the Lord came back right now, you know you wouldn't go there because you're not prepared. When our children were little, we taught them a song. We'd sing it often as we were riding in the car together. And and the words of the song are this, Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. And that's what I want to ask you. Do you want to go to heaven? I know you do. You wouldn't be here. But as we sing this song of encouragement, take a look at your life. And if your life is not such that you feel prepared then don't leave here today unprepared. If you need to obey the gospel of Christ, do that this morning. Be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you've already done that, but there's sin in your life and you've been harboring it and you haven't let go of it and you want the prayers for strength to let go, to turn from it, and to live right, we'll we'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.